Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is October the 11th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good, feeling pretty well. Uh, let's see, in terms of am I sick or not, day, I don't know, whatever, I haven't really been keeping track. We are still nosy, nasally. Yeah, that's the right word. Still nasally, but overall good. We're, we're doing all right, feeling pretty good. I had a leaky nose at like the top part of my day. And, uh, you know, since then we've been good. Less sneezing. So hopefully I'm sounding a little bit better on the microphone. I listened to myself earlier and I was like, oh God, <laughs> this sounds so bad. Uh, but I'll let you decide. Uh, let's see. Anything in the personal news corner to really talk about? No, I... You know, I've just been dwelling. I've been pondering some thoughts, you know. That's that's really it. We've just been chilling, thinking. <laughs> but, uh, you know, overall, the day's been good. Definitely cool weather-wise. But uh, I think it's supposed to be warming up. You know, it's the old Ohio switcheroo. We're about to get hit with, like, I think 80-degree weather or something like that tomorrow. So that'll be interesting. I wonder if I will, will wear shorts. I, I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> what will I wear? <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to take my usual startup. Oh yeah. No food. No, no new foods. You know me. I had some pasta. That was, that was yummy. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna do my startup, do my thing, and then we'll get into some news and, uh, yeah. Okay. Mm. So I know I had said in previous episode that um, the whole Israel-Palestine conflict, I was going to wait until, you know, a bigger event unfolded that I wanted to kind of like maybe like hitch the episode to in terms of catching everything up. But I, I don't know. I, the way things are moving with media, even on social media, and just obviously the actual events that are unfolding day to day, I just said, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you do have to have that redundant coverage or like overlapping coverage, what have you, where we do cover a lot of the same thing. And I just got to try to do my best to work it all in and do my best to do the coverage. So here we are. Uh, the first story is from Al Jazeera. Israel-Hamas war. Lists of key events. Day five. As the conflict, <coughs> excuse me, as the conflict between Israel and Palestine enters its fifth day, these are the main developments. So, you know, bear with me here. It's going to be a little bit of reading because I just want to hit the bullet points, you know, maybe talk about them a little bit, but um, I'll start. The Israel, the Israeli military said dozens of its fighters, fighter jets struck down more than 200 targets overnight in a neighborhood city of Gaza, uh, Gaza City. On Saturday, Hamas fighters from Gaza Strip rampaged through parts of southern Israel, the deadliest Palestinian attack in Israel's history. Uh, and then here's a quote. Hamas wanted a change and it will get one. What was in Gaza will no longer be. We started the offensive from air. Later on, we will also come from the ground. 
said Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant speaking to soldiers near the fence with Gaza. Also, um, speaking of this fence, something I've kind of learned is like you initially do think about it and it's electrified, I believe, barbed, all that. But kind of like in the way that the Iron Dome is set up, like there's just so much of a perimeter to stop missiles and shit from coming through. Like this fence, I've learned the perimeter of it and like the, you know, the amount of like actual, I believe like sniper rifles, you know, things like that. Like it is very hard to get through this kind of thing. So to kind of just more go through and, and talk about how once again, crazy it was that, you know, Hamas was able to make this kind of push and it, it did wind up being, you know, as effective as it was. Uh, let's see here. Um, also, I believe the Israeli defense minister, Yoav Gallant, has said some other things, uh, much more vile and upsetting to hear, uh, calling more or less. I, I think they try to punch up what he says after the fact is like, no, he, he wasn't calling Palestinians animals. He was calling Hamas animals. And it's like, I do not think so. But I don't know. It, it, and that's the thing that I, I kind of wanted to stop and talk about first off here that really is just frustrating it is the rhetoric. It is how like, yes, what happened on Saturday was fucking terrible. And what is continuing to happen is fucking terrible. Like, you shouldn't have to say that. Like, yes, like Israeli innocent people dying. That's fucking terrible. The fucking kidnappings is something I didn't really talk about. Initially, I had read like, oh, shit, they were capturing soldiers. And that in and of itself was like, pretty it's a rare thing i think in grand total maybe within like 25 years maybe up to five israeli soldiers have been captured kidnapped like that so that was already something that was like pretty crazy but then they were going into neighborhoods hamas was going into neighborhoods and you know killing abducting people things like that so th this was just completely unprecedented Israel was caught completely flat-footed in that regard, which is something that is still being talked about and will probably be talked about for fucking years. Um, Israel has called up an unprecedented 300,000 reservists as Israeli airlines added flights to bring reservists back to the country. Um, let's see. The Palestinian Ministry of Foreign Affairs said Israeli strikes had since... Uh, Saturday destroyed more than 22,600 residential units and 10 health facilities and damaged 48 schools. Two members of Hamas's political office were killed in an airstrike in Khan Yunus, a Hamas official said. They were the first senior Hamas members killed since Israel began pounding the enclave. Pounding is a really good word for it. Um, on Israel's northern border... A salvo, salvo of rockets was fired from southern Lebanon towards Israel, prompting Israel Israeli shelling in return. Three security, or yeah, three security sources said more shells launched from Syrian territory landed in open areas in Israel, prompting Israel to return fire. The military said, raising fears that violence could lead to a wider war. Uh, Lebanese armed group Hezbollah said it fired missiles against an Israeli military position earlier in the morning in response to the killing of three of its fighters. So that was another thing that was kind of developing that I definitely kind of missed um, is that that's a concern for Israel right now is that they make this push in terms of blockading further because like 
I feel like the siege that has been happening right now with Gaza, you know, it, it's being talked about like in a punched up way because it is, but this has kind of always been going on that like it is very hard not just to get back and forth between Gaza and, you know, into Israel or what have you, but also goods are very hard to get through because they are being completely controlled by, you know, Israel, what comes through. So essentially now there's like a hard stop blockade. You cannot get medicine. You cannot get food. You cannot get, and they're, they're even shutting off the electricity. So essentially you have the situation where you cannot leave. You cannot escape into Israel. Like that's, that's a no-go. You can't go into Egypt. So that, that's a very highly limited, pleasant, especially now. Like, I mean, you're just being bombed the whole fucking time. So it is a very hard situation right now for Palestinians in general. Um, let's see here. Let's try to keep continuing. The Palestinian news agency Wafa is reporting that Israeli forces dropped white phosphorus bombs on Al-Karama neighborhood in Gaza earlier in the night. Uh, which kind of leads me to think, I'm pretty sure that might be like fucking war crime type shit. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, y'all know I'm no fucking goddamn expert on this, but I believe that that's why that is an important mention. Um, let's, let's keep going. I, I we got to talk about the U.S. part here, which I'm glad is mentioned in the bullet points. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden called the attacks by Hamas an act of sheer evil and added that at least 14 Americans were killed Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will arrive in Israel on Thursday in a show of solidarity. So I'm not surprised that uh, us as, you know, a, a nation state is rallying r behind Israel on this shit. Like we are just hard stuck. Hamas bad, 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 bad. They, they can't do this. And we got to make sure we pound them in the dust. And essentially they're not saying it, but they're okay with Israel saying it. But I mean, at the same time, there's like only focusing on the fact that like, yes, at the end of the day, Hamas did a very evil thing and they did a terrorist act, which you could make a whole fucking podcast about why fucking shit even winds up getting to this point where people are resorting to violence after time and time again trying to negotiate after getting your fucking knees blown out at, at said fence trying to say hey you guys are not meeting us at the table to really work with us once again it is just upsetting to see just a complete hard flip um you know from the united states uh kind of want to segue here to just kind of talk about the social media aspect where i'm literally seeing like people like mia khalifa and if you don't know who mia khalifa is well i mean google google her um Someone, you know, who you would think is just like, okay, like, people are not going to, like, be mad at any take she has, whatever the fuck. Or even, like, Kylie Jenner, I guess, for both sides of the conversation. But, like, both of these people are, are one way or another getting, quote-unquote, canceled or, like, having to, like, delete their shit or, like, losing promotional shit in uh, Mia Khalifa sense for having takes on either side of this issue. Uh, for Mia Khalifa, she's, like, you know, definitely very pro-Palestine. Um, Kylie Jenner, you know, she's a Jenner. At the end of the day, they think, you know, we're going to do a Pepsi commercial and we're going to, like, fucking, you know, stop a riot. Uh, so, you know, a lot of celebrities are doing the, you know, hashtag stand with Israel thing, you know. You know, obviously really backing, you know, Israel right now. That makes sense. I get that. But at the same time, it is understandable as well that people are drawing up all the reasons. It's like, look, 
here's a graph showing you like, yes, so many people die here today. And this is very unprecedented that for a, a rare change, there is a higher death count in is Israelis who died as opposed to Palestinians who died. And at the, there's a whole focus of this being like, well, we're just trying to focus on Hamas. We're just trying to get Hamas. But it's like, you're telling people, hey, we're coming in here. We're going to bomb and we're going to fucking take out, you know, everything you know <laughs> and going to get Hamas. You should just get out of here. You should just go find some place safe to go. Where are you going to go? There's nowhere to go. Not, not to mention half of the motherfuckers in Palestine right now are just kids. It's just kids because literally there's just all of this conflict has just wiped out generations of people. Um, so, you know, I get it. that There's definitely both sides you have to take into consideration here. But I do feel like the more you just look at the history of this shit, you are putting people in inevitable situations. And I know, I know we're in the weeds here. Uh, this is going to be a long episode, y'all. <laughs> um, you are putting people in a situation where like, you know, we've talked about Saudi Arabia and how they are bettering relations with Israel. They even went on Fox News and spoke in English to kind of talk about that in detail because it's important to talk about and say to the world. Like, and you see that for Palestine, you are a nation that is supposed to be like a linchpin to kind of stop this until things are sorted out for you. And you see that it's like, oh, we are slowly, slowly, but surely getting eradicated from the fucking conversation. And it's like, what are we going to fucking do? What can we do? And at the end of the day, you're being pushed and pushed and pushed and ignored and ignored and ignored. And I don't know, man. Uh, like, I get it. People are very quick to be like, these guys are doing bad shit. A bad shit happened. But, like, people are being pushed into corners. And what the fuck are they going to do? I don't know. I'm in the weeds here. I'm upset. I literally heard, like, Dan Carlin have a quote about how he's like, well, now, what, what do you expect, you know, people to do after this incident? How can we support, you know, Palestine? More or less trying to say that shit. Like, motherfucker, one, that is this terror cell you're supposed to be able to separate. You have to figure out, hey, we have to negotiate things and maybe make things better for Palestine. And then we don't wind up having as many people even working with Hamas or even supporting Hamas. And Hamas doesn't even have as much support. But anyway, let's just keep running through this. I know I'm already fucking tripping over my own shit. Um, Egypt, Egypt is moving to prevent a mass exodus south from the Gaza Strip as Israeli bombardments halted crossings. European Union foreign ministers met to try to resolve divisions over whether to continue aid payments to Palestine, Palestine, Palestinians, which is important because obviously we're talking about how limited their aid even is. I've heard even stories of like, you know, aid being sent to them, like people going out of their way, like, you know, Turkey or something. And it's like, oh, we'll blow that fucking shit up because they are not going to get any fucking food or any fucking medicine. Fuck that shit. Um, let's see here. Uh, European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell said Israel was breaking international law by imposing a total blockade against the Gaza Strip in retaliation against the Hamas attack. Um, Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei said Tehran was not involved in the Hamas attack, though he kissed the hands of those doing damage to Israel. I know Iran has been a big talking point in all this, like how how involved are they? You know, when did they know about this? What was their support level? Um, Iran's like super bad. Everyone's like, you know, what are they going to do? You know, what are they going to do next? Um, speaking of baddies, 
Russian President Vladimir Putin is blaming U.S. policy failures for the Israel-Hamas war. Like, the weirdest note, like, cool dog. But I get it. He's just trying to get his fucking, you know, finger in. Uh, the Palestinian envoy to the United Nations described Israel's bombardment of Gaza Strip and its vow to impose a complete siege on the Hamas-controlled Palestinian enclave as nothing less than genocidal. EU industry chief Thierry Breton told Elon Musk to tackle the spread of disinformation on his social media platform about the Hamas attack. And of course, he's like, well, why don't you show me all the all the sources? Like, I don't know. He, he's just being cringe about it. And of course, saying he didn't do anything wrong, even though he's literally posting like blatant misinformation and then like just deleting it after everyone calls it out. It's fucking insane. Um, all right. Uh, the Palestinian health ministry in Gaza said at least 1,055 people have been killed and 5,184 people have been wounded in the crowded coastal enclave. On the Israeli side, more than 1,200 people have been killed and at least 3,000 wounded, according to the Israeli medical services. Uh, and they show a little chart here. Uh, investors are on guard for an oil price spike amid the Middle East turmoil and global stocks rose, but violence in Israel made for nervy trading. Well, that last part is really good to know. Whew. Okay, so yeah, I mean, throughout that, that's more or less my two cents on this shit. Um, you know, I really cannot stress enough. This is not me trying to say, hey, I'm so pro this shit that I'm like happy to see people die. Like, no, like hearing all these fucking stories are fucking crazy. And there's definitely some I'm just definitely not telling you, um, you know, about stories about, you know, people in their kibbutz, you know, where they live, their little community and the shit that went down. Um, or, you know, there was a whole music festival that happened along the border and th that's been a big, huge talking point. I mean, there's a lot of shit and I, you know, implore you if you are you know, concerned or interested, whatever, you know, get involved and, and listen and learn this shit and come up with your own opinions on this. You know, um, I know that I, when I initially talked about this, I did get a lot of like attention for, at least for me, a little small guy, a little small bean podcaster, dude. Um, but yeah, I, I do have my own opinions on this shit. I, I do try to do my best to not let that bleed too much and be a distraction. But this, uh, this does evoke a lot of emotion. It does evoke a lot. And, um, I do truly feel that like, I, tr <laughs> I try to put myself as a person who's having to live in Gaza right now. And it just makes it so hard for me to, to say anything like, I don't know. It just, it upsets me. And I get that, like, the kidnappings upset you. That the loss of life, the the the, the, the savagery, whatever. Yes, it is jarring. It is fucking a lot. It's, it, it, you know? And, you know, my heart goes out to all those people. And I hope to God that you do get to get your family back. Like, for sure. But, um, you know, I just think about all the people who are in Gaza and all the shit that they've lost and all the shit they continue to lose. You know, what What do you do in those situations? You know what I mean? It, it, it is so easy for me to talk about any of this shit from the comfort of my home. Yeah, but like I put myself there and that is why I come back and say, hey, this is why I have my opinions. This is why I am talking about the shit the way that I do. You know, whether I'm right, I'm wrong, whatever. You know, I'm sure you could get a thousand experts to come just drop kick my ass. And, you know, I'd get fucking court-martialed and hung in the marketplace of ideals. 
but like this is how I feel about it. This is my podcast, so I get to say this fucking shit. That's why I fucking have it. Um, and I mean, yeah, if people are, you know, truly upset, I'm, I'm down to hear that shit and entertain that in the comments, um, you know, for sure. But, um, yeah. All right. We can move along. That, I, phew, man, I haven't really dug into a thing that, that, that long in a while. Okay. But it feels good. I feel, whew, feel good. And, I, and I'm sure we are going to have more, um, uh, I know I'm dwelling on this, but what I was really worried about and still am worried about is when they do the ground invasion part, because that is what is mounting here. Um, I truly think that is going to be really scary. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, I'm going to cover that if and when, but, um, you know, I'm truly hoping somehow, somehow cooler heads prevail. Cause truly that is what I want y'all. Like it's just something resembling yet again, another negotiation. And I know that we are so down the brink where people don't want to have that conversation. I think in a lot of sides, I'm literally hearing people call this shit nine 11 too. What the fuck? Don't you understand how fucked that is? Like it's crazy that we've done this shit as, as Americans. And like, we are seeing this shit happen and we're like rooting for it. Like, yeah, go in there, get yours. Like you shouldn't want that. We are literally doing this shit with Ukraine and Russia in a way too. I feel like where it's just like, we have this, and again, this armchair of like enthusiasm to like get the other guy. And it's like, don't you realize it's like Cold War last fucking talk that doesn't do anything? Like you have to get motherfuckers back to a table and actually do politics where we like sort the shit out. Like you have to. <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's my three cents. Uh, from Reuters. Finland says outside activity likely damaged gas pipeline. Gas pipeline, telecoms, cable. All right, so this is some uh, news that popped up. Uh, kind of akin to like the Nord Stream shit we talked about last year. Uh, very similar. A subsea gas pipeline and a telecommunications cable connecting Finland and Estonia under the Baltic Sea have been damaged in what may have been a deliberate act, the Finnish government said on Tuesday. NATO Secretary General Jens Holtenberg. Stoltenberg said NATO was sharing its information over the damage and stands ready to support the allies concerned. Uh, Finland joined the military alliance in April, while Estonia has been a member since 2004. So respectively, in Finland, I believe it was the gas pipeline and Estonia was the telecoms cable. Uh, Just, you know, saying that out loud for my own benefit, really. Uh, The Baltic connector gas pipeline was shut down... Uh, was shut early on Sunday on concerns that gas was leaking from a hole in the 77-kilometer or 48-mile pipeline. Finnish operator Gasgrid said it could take months or more to repair. It is likely that the damage to both the gas pipeline and the communication cable is a result of outside activity. The cause of the damage is not yet clear. The investigation continues in cooperation between Finland and Estonia, uh, said Finnish President Sali Ninestro. Um, so let's let's just kind of do a little bit of fast forwarding here a little bit. I know I took a little bit of time. Uh, I feel like here, once again, referencing the Nord Stream thing, I feel like we're supposed to be taking what the media is trying to give us here is like, hey, maybe Russia did it. Um, but we don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like that's the vibe. That's, that's the vibe I'm getting. 
But um, yet again, we don't know. Going back to the Nord Stream thing, I initially was like, oh yeah, totally Russia, right? And then like we pan things out and it's like, well, maybe it was like a Ukrainian separatist thing that like maybe America knew about or didn't know about. So we shall see what, uh, you know, time will tell. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was a thing that happened, uh, you know, little fishy, little sus, sussy little pipe. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move along uh, from NPR. Cheng Li, detained Australian journalist, is freed by China. Cheng Li, an Australian journalist imprisoned in China, has been allowed to leave the country and is back home in Australia after being detained for more than three years on charges of espionage. Tight hugs, teary screams, holding my kids, and spring sunshine, she said in a statement posted on social media site X, formerly known as Twitter. Ching was born in China, but immigrated to Australia at a young age. She later spent years as a reporter covering China for, bo for both foreign and domestic audiences and was working as an anchor for the international wing of the Chinese state broadcaster CCTV when she suddenly was detained in 2020. Uh, Ching's arrest came at a time when Australia-China relations were in, deep, were in a deep freeze, in part over Australia's condemnation of a global coronavirus pandemic. Coronavirus. It alleged China had done too little to stop. So um, apparently I think the exchange, like what had happened, what had happened was... Cheng Li um, met up with like a foreign, you know, news report, like broadcast or whatever. There was like information exchanged and essentially China deemed that as like um, espionage and they scooped her ass up and she has been detained for, I believe, two years and 11 months. Uh, she was uh, officially tried, but I think essentially they tried her. She went through the whole process and then... Um, they let her go after this amount of time, but essentially she served us that, that whole sentence, which is, you know, very odd, very weird how the pacing of all that went. But I think that's just, you know, political shit that was involved there too. Uh, apparently I think, what is his name? Abernice. Uh, he's supposed to be coming to China this year at some point. They haven't like named the date yet, but you know, essentially things are dethawing. But, um, yeah, I mean, apparently things were very rough for Cheng Li. She was, you know, in prison. She said, I think in the, you know, uh, just about three years of imprisonment, she said she saw 10 hours of sunlight, which is fucking crazy. That's wild as hell. Uh, let's see. Uh, that year, Beijing also stopped. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, Hang Huang. Hang, uh, Hang Hu. Ooh, I'm going to. I'm sorry. Uh, Hang Yang. Hing Jun, boom, did it. Yang Hing Jun, a Chinese-born Australian blogger and former Chinese government official, was detained by China in 2020 as well on espionage charges. So he was another one who kind of came up, and I think they are, you know, still looking to get him freed. Um, oh, let me read my little highlight portion. Uh, Chinese authorities allege that Ching had been detained because she passed on classified information about China's economy to foreign entities. Her trial last year was conducted behind closed doors, and Australia's ambassador and other diplomats were barred from attending. Uh, all right. 
So there is that. Uh, and then we have one more thing. And then we will close out. Which you know what that means. It's break time. And I feel like I deserve it for this episode. Not that I, I mean, not that matters whether I deserve it. Okay, from the BBC News. Australian man rowing across Pacific Ocean rescued after capsizing. Ooh. A man attempting to row across the Pacific Ocean in a homemade boat has been rescued by a cruise ship after his boat capsized. Tom Robinson, 24 years old, hoped to become the youngest person to complete the feat. He was found sitting on top of his boat with no clothes on, a hundred nautical miles southwest of the coast of Anatu, a post on his website said. Now, I want to explain the naked part first and foremost, because obviously I think like everyone who, you know, saw him at the rescue, because apparently I think this was like a, like a cruise kind of ship that wound up like picking him up. So like hundreds of people saw him and were recording him it's like it's so it's kind of like uh, sad embarrassing in, in a way because it's like oh man you're catching this guy in like kind of a really low moment he was trying to you know break a world record he was doing some like really cool human feat and the next thing you know he's like in a near-death situation fighting for his life and he's like you know trying to survive and you're catching him in his just literally just naked and afraid most moment. But let me explain the nudity because there's a reason for that. He was naked because chafing. And he was explaining to the to a news person on like BBC when I was listening to this today where he's like, when you're out and you're rowing, especially when there's like a lot of rain or, you know, a lot of, you know, water whipping around, shit like that, you're going to get a lot of salt on your clothes and on your skin. But if it's on just your skin, it kind of comes off a lot better and a lot easier. Whereas if it's on your clothes and when it dries off, it just leaves a little bit more of that salty residue, which then makes the chafing worse. So when you're trying to do all this fucking shit, you're doing like, you know, all these fucking miles out in this hot shit, you know, you're not trying to chafe on top of that. So I get that, that makes sense. Um, but essentially when the boat capsizes, you don't have your clothes anymore. So you're just, you're just done. You're literally asked out. And, uh, I mean, luckily he was found, uh, local media reports say he was treated for sunburn and dehydration aboard the ship, but is in other an otherwise good health. He also says that he would do this again. He's just saying the biggest hang up for him is he's got to find his boat. Essentially it was like, I think probably pretty expensive, uh, maybe more the most important, most expensive part of it. Though it is cool that apparently he had like a team, like kind of helping him out throughout this whole process, which makes sense. But um, he says if he can find his boat and if it's like you know in one piece and good condition, which is you know he he thinks is like uh, likely, uh, he might try this again. So uh, you know we might be uh, covering him breaking the record or something like that. Whew. Okay, so yeah, that's the episode. Uh, I'm not gonna shill too hard here. I got a Patreon, patreon.com, so this is a news. You can become a newsie if you'd like. That'd be pretty cool. It would help out the effort. 
IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com if you'd like to send me some feedback. Uh, I'm on all the socials if you want to find me there. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube. I do appreciate you just clicking and viewing, listening, whatever. That's great. That's awesome. Um, but subscriptions help. Uh, you know, we appreciate any and all of them. I salute you. And, uh, you know, you know, keep the comments cool, hopefully. Uh, I, I also appreciate a silent comment. No comment is sometimes a great comment. You can just say, ah, oh, what a head ass, because I do that. I'm a hater, but I keep my shit offline usually. So I appreciate y'all doing the same if that's what you're doing and just being a cool listener. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye.